0: Hey there, romance nerds! Welcome to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen.
1: I'm Jackie. And we are proud to have you. We are librarians at Northern Onondaga Public Library, and we are also romance nerds. Now, if you're wondering what this podcast is about, wait for it romance! Romance. Specifically, the romance genre of books. We are going to be talking about anything and everything having to do with romance. This could be Bad heroines, good heroes, uh, oh, swoon-worthy endings, snappy ooh, dialogue, happily ever after, uh, the genre, the tropes, anything and everything.
0: So with that being said, sometimes our material will be a little too
1: sensitive for younger readers. If you feel the need to wait until they go to bed, we will be here for you. We would also like to issue just a general trigger warning for some of the things that we do talk about. We will always try to issue specific trigger warnings for each episode so that you know what you're getting into. Now, without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I've been ready, Jackie. All right.
0: Let's rage! Hey, Jackie. Yeah? Why do vampires make bad artists? Why? Because they only ever draw blood. (laughs) Ha! (laughs)
1: yeah that was bad it was bad sucks to be you i guess (laughs) thanks thanks for that
0: anyways welcome back guys to the second part of our amazing vampire series and raging romantics
1: because it's spooky season (gasps) and everybody loves season a good spooky story
0: so here we are looking at two of vampire literature's Brightest and greatest.
1: Oh god, no. Maybe? Sparkliest.
0: <laughs> the most sparkles. Like we alluded to last time. We are gonna be talking
1: about Christine Fian's dark series. And Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. We'll look at the whole series, Ooh although boy. not Midnight Sun, because I oh refuse boy. to read it. I mean I won't.
0: That's fair. Yeah. I can't I can't fault you your commitment to the podcast just on that <laughs>
1: thank you i mean it's basically just the same story or it is the same story we know how it ends Renezme jacob it's done yeah. <sighs> okay anyways so vampires if you guys haven't listened to the last episode go do that we talk a lot about where the vampire literature and romance came from its influence mm-hmm. uh if we like it if we don't like it obviously spoiler we alert, like it we like it
0: i mean it'd be dumb to do a whole podcast of something
1: we hated well, we're going to do that. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Down the road. We will definitely do that. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> All right, Jen, tell us a vampire story.
0: Christine Fian is probably one of the better known vampire romantic authors. She started her series, The Dark Series, in 1999 and has since written about, I think it's 30. 30- books at this point.
1: When did you start reading her?
0: I actually started reading her in high school, Uh. which maybe was not good, maybe middle school. I don't know, I was way too young to read her considering what's in
1: those books. I think when we were that age, like Supernatural was so big. Yeah. Because, I mean, I started with Sherilyn Kenyon pretty Mm. much. So it's- Sherilyn Kenyon was
0: definitely one of my firsts too. Christine Fien, though, was very special to me because it was one my mother recommended. (laughs) In hindsight, maybe she shouldn't have, but she did it, so thank you, Mom! When the series opens up, the Carpathian race is nearly extinct because they have not had many women born to them. Their children really struggle to survive the first year of life.
1: So that's something that's interesting Mm -hmm. is that a vampire is born and not made.
0: Yeah. So actually, the only vampires that can be made as Dark Prince realizes, psychic women who are human can actually be converted into Carpathians and become
1: life mates. Are they then vampires? Do they have to, like, drink people's blood? They
0: they drink their mate's blood. So it's not super terrible. Really, the only time you're a vampire is if you're really happy to kill people. If you really get off on it and you're so excited to. Are those those
1: bad vampires? Those
0: are the bad vampires. The Carpathians are the good vampires. The thing about the series is it's very binary. There's not a lot of gray in it. All of the women are good. It's absolutely impossible to become a vampire because the women have the light of the soul. Okay. They are all good All great, just these wonderful human beings. If the ones that are human, and then the men need them to live, or they go crazy. I think you're very cynical about that. I wouldn't say cynical. (laughs) I don't want to, I'm sorry if my tone is giving that away. I want to be very clear. I actually really do like Christine Fian. I will, on occasion, hate read her though, because sometimes (laughs) there are some things that are a little ridiculous. Such as? so I I have an example, but you. (laughs) So in the beginning, I think when the story was more about the Carpathians and the humans coming to compromises and understandings with each other and not really, I think it worked for me when it was emotional and when it was about communication and when it was these two very different people, the super old fashioned guy who's been alive 2000 years and the modern woman who still wants her independence and how that... melds together I think was really interesting to me since then because she's had 30 books in the series she's had to add in all of these crazy things like dragons and mages and there's these five evil vampire brothers that want to kill all the Carbathians and enslave the humans mm. and it's gone off a little bit on the off the rails for me so still it's the best when we are talking about well, you're my life mate. I want to protect you. <laughs> and the woman has to be like, Hey, I have a brain and I can think. Just talk to me. I think that's really when I like the series a lot. Okay. And I will say uh, it's a pretty sensual dark, intense series. It is. Like, it's not a fun series. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read a really fun book, I get all giddy and I oh, skip yeah. around the house. That's and me right like... now with the book I'm reading. I'm like, ah! lately though, it's feels like it's been forgotten in favor of these more complicated, elaborate plots. Mm. I don't know if you have a feeling about that. Oh, I've actually do. read, so I've read something like 23, 25 of her books. You've read two. I've read two. I've You've read, read two? one of the first <laughs> and one of the
1: newest. So I'll say it off the bat, Christine Vihan isn't my favorite. Okay. I think a lot of it is because of her writing style and just the way that she writes sequels. The writing is very weird. It yeah. does
0: feel like it's being told to me. As opposed to me seeing it. Yeah. It's very info-dumpy.
1: Yes, very much so. So, I mean, the first one I was definitely more into. It felt like there was much more at stake. See, I can do it, too. Um, <laughs> I got her! Like there was... I got her, folks! <laughs> <laughs> it felt like there was much more that I had to, like, worry about and mm-hmm. had to focus on. And I was yeah. much more invested in the characters. But it was still, like you said, info-dumpy, where she was throwing a lot of information yeah. at you. And she does a lot of classic vampire attributes like um, super speed, Mm -hmm. super sexy, super old, all the supers, super rich, super rich. rich, So in the book that I wrote, it was actually really funny. There was a line of the heroine was like, "I, you know, I came from the streets. I have nothing." And the hero is like, "Don't worry, I'm really old. I've got a lot of money." (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, "Okay, I did like that. I did like that." So you know, she does a lot of like these classic things but then at the same time i think the series has just gone on for so long yeah. that f- i feel like lady it's time to break oh i don't know if i would agree with that because i still really like
0: the relationship aspect of it mm. i think she needs to maybe put a rest to the more elaborate pots save that for another series because she has other series where it is very over the top as well I just – I really enjoyed it when it was just these two people figuring out how to live together.
1: I mean, we see this all the time in TV shows. Yeah, it just jumped so, the shark. like, Supernatural mm-hmm. or Vampire Diaries, yeah. all these things where it starts off super simple and everybody gets yeah. super into it and really invested – And then, all of a sudden, they have to start throwing all these weird plot devices in Mm -hmm. just to kind of keep the story rolling. And sometimes it's really good, like supernatural.
0: Yeah. It's great. I think one of the coolest aspects of the newer plots is you find out the reason that Carpathians are going extinct is those same... Spoilers! Spoiler! If you would like to hear, if you don't care about hearing. Fast forward a little bit. Fast forward. But the mastered vampires that we've been talking about in Dark Legacy and the newer things, they've actually created these parasites... To infect the soil that Carpathian women sleep in. So it infects them. And then that in turn infects the babies when they breastfeed. And it's yeah. like this weakening agent that slowly kills them off.
1: So it's really interesting. The book that I read. And trigger warning, rape, oh,
0: consent. Yeah. Talk,
1: yeah, lots of rape and consent. Um, so. I read Dark Legacy, which came out more recently. I think it was like it's 2017. Like six, yeah, roughly. 17, 16. And so the main character is a human woman who is telepathic. And... there's some issues with her telepathy and like she's like Mm -hmm. super special because of it she repel vampires i'm like okay that's too and she's
0: dream in the dream too
1: yeah in the dream but so or the dreaming in she's been part of the series for a couple books now and in one of the previous books she rescues children from like the bad vampires pretty much Mm -hmm. but in so doing she is put into captivity or she's yeah She's held against her will. And mm-hmm. there are these um, vampiric monsters, pretty much, that have bear like claws, as she describes them. And they literally pin her to the ground so that the evil vampire, uh, Vedim. V- Don't Vanir, ask me Vanir, to pronounce it. Valim, Val- it looks like Valium, but without the U. Velim, Valium, sure, something like that. V,
0: this girl. Gro- this v, we'll v, yeah.
1: Um, he rapes her with his hands. Mm-hmm. And then injects her with the parasites mm-hmm. and somehow she gets pregnant by him raping her with his hands mm-hmm. it's kind of like artificial insemination yeah in a very twisted, in a very creepy weird way. weird way that i'm just like what the h-? i literally said what the blank so i had some issues with the believability of the story with the writing style so yeah basically i'm i'm not the biggest christine Feehan oh, fan i can that's appreciate okay. i'll like you anyway Thank you. I could appreciate... We have other interests in common. <laughs> I could appreciate how she really influenced the genre. I mean, she was one of the OG vampire writers, yeah. really, besides... And she
0: was definitely one of the first ones to combine it with the soulmate. Yeah. And make it very magical in that sense.
1: And you were telling me an interesting point that you came across was she was one of the first to really combine, like, the super sensual, mm. sympathetic creature, which yeah. we talked about last time, into a romance yeah. plot device. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I understand why you don't like it, and I will continue liking you, I guess, even though you don't like one of my original Thanks. vampire
1: series that Thanks. I ever
0: read is Little Baby Jen.
1: Oh, but right, so I was talking about um how, like, They were monsters in True Blood. We do still have the monsters in Feehan. Yeah. And the characterizations of alpha holes in Feehan are definitely a thing. And I will say,
0: an alpha hole can be really satisfying to see. Oh, yeah. Because you want to see them grovel to get back in their good graces. Everybody
1: loves a redemption story. Oh, yeah.
0: Like, that's my favorite thing ever. But sometimes she goes a little bit over the line, especially when it comes to things like consent. Mm -hmm. There are instances with some of her heroes where they don't fully explain what's happening to them. Mm. So they'll meet a human woman. And they immediately bind them to them, which means they say these ritual words that uh, let them... They're
1: basically wedding vows. Yeah, they're
0: wedding vows, but very spiritual and supernatural, so it literally links the two people together, and you can't escape them. Like, they can find you wherever you are. Uh, the most permanent tracking device ever, I guess. Yeah. And also, when they start doing the blood exchanges, it takes three blood exchanges to go through conversion, which ends up being incredibly painful.
1: So pretty much he drinks her blood, she drinks his yeah. blood. Yeah. So those that's not always fully explained
0: what's happening. So there would be these scenes of them waking up with no understanding of why they couldn't suddenly eat meat, why they had a sensitivity to the sun, why they felt so depressed and horrible without the the man because of course he is off in the ground and they're living their lives above the ground. And I think that really bothered me. Yeah. Because it wasn't until the most recent book I read that they that She does a good job acknowledging, I think, of what the human women are going to lose by converting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, cool, you're going to get this man, yay, life mate, cool, and he's a great guy and he's rich. Money and blah, blah, blah. In power. Yes, money and power, handsome, great sex. But you're also <laughs> going to lose the son. You're also going to see your family and friends die. I think it's going to be really stressful on your brain to see history change personally.
1: Oh yeah. I don't
0: know if you've ever helped a 50 year old with a smartphone. <laughs> Hi. Uh, too many times. <laughs> you are going to be that 50 year old for the rest of your life. If you're an immortal being, it'll yep. never stop. And then I just don't want to be around personally for when they put phones in my head. Cause you know, tech is going that way where it's yeah. like a part of your body. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. There's a lot of sacrifice too with, these books and it bothers me sometimes when the life mates are like well you're the other half of my soul you're gonna save me I love you we're let's just go ahead and do it definitely there are books where it's better than others but I could tell you too if I did decide to be a Carpathian that I am eating a feast the day before (laughs) I'm gonna sunbathe like I just want some planning yeah you know how much cake I would eat if I knew that was gonna be the last cake cake I ever had steak bacon Mm -hmm. wine but, you know, I could see that being a problem with other vampire books aside from Fian. What really annoys me about Fian sometimes? Rant. <laughs> rant. Just like a little baby rant. I'm a, I'm a calm, reasonable person who is very chill. But the first time I actually matched the age of one of Christine Fian's heroines. So when I when I usually read it, or when I used to read it, I was like little baby Jen. I didn't know what my early 20s would be like or what I would be like as a person. (laughs) And then I finally matched the age where she was, I think, 24, and I might actually have been 25. So very close in age, though. She was such an old lady. Oh. She was... I mean, I'm an
1: old lady at heart. No,
0: I know. There's an old lady at heart, but then there's how you behave and how you act and how you talk. Sometimes I'm
1: in all of those. (laughs) How
0: often you think about your student loans. All the time. Like, this girl was a grad student. You know how often I think about my student loans? If you're a grad student, you're
1: thinking about them constantly. All the time. You're eating ramen because you have to pay student loans. The
0: first thing you think when you get a rich vampire lover. (laughs) Paying everything off. (laughs) Pay my
1: loan. (laughs) You're paying off my car. You're paying off my loans. You're buying me a house. You're buying me a boat. I'm just listing things. If anybody's listening who wants to buy me those things, go for it. Mm. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put our wish list up eventually.
0: (laughs) But I think just Christine Fan is so bad at the slang, at the interests, at the attitude. It just took me out of the story and it was really frustrating and it was it very much felt like a fifty year old cosplaying as this early twenties mm. person and I'm sure Christine Fian feels young. I know I feel young I even. I mean though she's writing these sexy vampires. Yeah, so she's got to feel her. a little bit young. But I think she's just stuck in a young in her own youth. I don't think she can put herself well into the millennial mindset. Yeah. Into the
1: generation now that you say that. I, it's, it, these books feel old to me. Yeah. Like, I'm reading Talia Hibbert now, who is, like, young, she's funky, she's fresh, I can't believe I just used the word funky in the description. Hi, Grandma. (laughs) Hi, sorry. I'm old. So the writing itself just feels really, like, dated and very stuck in that kind of 90s Mm, That's a really good way to describe it, because I've been really struggling with why
0: I really like aspects of this book, but the writing style trips me up. Right. I don't... Maybe you guys have an answer for us. Let us know below in the comments. Now that we're all YouTubing, if, if
1: we have comments, if we have I comments, figure that part out. Um, Email
0: us. Let us know why it feels like my eyes are tripping over the words sometimes in Christine Fian's books.
1: Go to noble. That's n o p l. dot org, <laughs> and visit one of the locations near you. <laughs> and just let us know because really, I want to like Christine Fian. There's a lot to like. Yeah, but she's so
0: old. In the best possible sense,
1: also the worst possible I am
0: dying to know what
1: her audience is, and
0: I couldn't find that information online. I don't know if it's
1: all other older women like her. If you look at the Goodreads reviews, which I know it's a very, like, super sect of Goodreads that we think about, but it is women, like, our age, late 20s, mid-30s, but there are a lot of, like, 40, 50-year-old readers. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of a big span of millennials up through, what is that, boomer? That's not, not quite 60s? boomer. Sixty yeah. uh, Who knows? I'm sorry. I'm terrible with this sort of stuff. <laughs> what are <laughs> names for things? We talk about traumatic events a lot in psychology yeah. having such an impact on the psyche. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in the last episode briefly, how the death of Feehan's son was what inspired her yeah. to write this. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how much that mindset that she started writing this in is just still, like, in her brain mm-hmm. and she doesn't really want to escape from it. Yeah. Oh, here's a deep psychological chat for you. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's working
0: for her. Like, yeah. she's sold millions of books. She's constantly on the bestseller list. She, uh,
1: she's a queen. She yeah. is.
0: Yeah. I mean, God knows how much money she's made. She's still one of the OG
1: vampire writers who's mm-hmm. still writing vampires. Yeah, she's
0: still a very big deal. She gets interviewed by mainstream
1: people. <gasps> I know. Which is a big deal. <laughs> so. Someday, Jen. Someday we'll be interviewed. Maybe. <laughs> For our but,
0: I know. I think overall it's a good series to check out if you are into vampires, if you like The Faded Mates. If Literally, you
1: like. come check it out from the library. Hey! <laughs>
0: Two plugs in under five minutes. Look at you. I think it is a good series to try out. Yeah. And definitely let us know what you think. We recommend reading
1: the older ones.
0: Yeah, definitely the o- the older ones. I reread the older ones, and it just hits different. There's just something really special. I think they're in the so beginning. steamy too. It's interesting. I was thinking about this too. The word choices has completely changed for her oh, between really? the older and the new ones. How so? So the older ones, you got a lot more of the the velvet wrapped rod. And oh, God, that was so shaft. 90s. And her... Her, her mound, Yeah, her just all the... Center not, of
1: pleasure. Not
0: quite the ridiculous harlequin words, but oh definitely she was not using the kind of slang we see more frequently in romance Well, now. that's
1: interesting, too, because I'm yeah, reading so, her next one. Sorry, there's a trigger warning language advisory coming up. <laughs> and the one I just read, which came out a couple yeah. years ago, she uses the word cock. Yeah, no, and she does all the time. So she'll use the male
0: anatomy i have not seen any slang for women yet besides like breast yeah like w- but that's not like a real slang no i mean that's, that's an like, anatomical anatomy yeah atomical. so i think it's interesting i think it's interesting that she has evolved into into writing different kinds of scene of steamy scenes but still her writing feels very much in the past
1: so that could be a whole interesting conversation there so a lot of the times we talk about how like um women are sexualized yeah. in pop culture mm-hmm. in romance novels something i love it's the men who are sexualized yeah we talk about their bodies <laughs> their buns their <laughs> abs their pecs peck pop and love right there and they can't do anything about and it they can't and it's great i think that's maybe why mm. shehan she doesn't did- write such like that. She describes more the male anatomy. Because, yeah. like, we're women. We know our anatomy. Yeah, we know. Kind we, of. <laughs> yeah, we got we Maybe might <laughs> know what's depending there. Depending
0: on where you went to school, I
1: guess. <laughs> all sorts of things. Slash, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> Wake up in the morning. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tangent, guys. Oh, gay vampires.
0: Not a thing yet. So, Chris. Oh, they
1: have to be a thing in Smut. Oh,
0: they're a massive thing in Erotica. Yeah, there are a ton of gay vampires. I love it. And obviously, I I mean, there are, like we talked last time, Camilla was a big... It's in the the background, it's just, it's hard for the mainstream to catch up, I think. So it's not quite in mainstream yet, but to be fair, vampires aren't really as
1: big a thing. So I think if vampires rise again, I think we'll definitely see gay vampires (laughs) rise again. I think if we resurrect them one day. I'm waiting for the YA to come out where we have a transgender Mm. and a gay vampire just fanging away in the corner (laughs) i am here for that i will read that heartbeat folks but ya in general i
0: we don't see the kind of supernatural stuff we grew up with it's either contemporary or it is straight up fantasy completely different world yeah it's not really magical realism i don't see that as often i do see it but i feel like growing up twilight was definitely more a 2000s invention than a 2020 mm-hmm. invention.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I think is an amazing it's segment segue. to torture Jackie yeah. by forcing her oh God.
1: to remember those amazing
0: <laughs> twilight
1: days. <laughs> I never want to go back to those days. I mean, yeah, they were the golden years. But so, twilight came out in 2000 we talked about this 2006 something like that 2006 2007 2007. so it was right when i was getting into middle school pretty much and let me just say i think i was so into twilight Mm -hmm. because i was not a good looking kid when i was younger oh my god it was terrible like chipmunk cheeks galore (laughs) it was it was bad and so when i hit puberty thank god (laughs) I turned kind of normal looking and that was when Twilight came out mm. so this is my psychology behind this. So Twilight came out and the main character is she's brunette, mm-hmm. she's pale, Bell. beautiful but doesn't know it. And oh. I was brunette and pale and I really wanted I that to that's be a beautiful. Thing. <laughs> and especially in Wyatt. Yeah. Um and so it came out and I was like I could really reflect or see myself reflected in this main character. Mm-hmm. Plus, I was a very impressionable youth at that age. So,
0: aside from seeing yourself reflected in Bella, was there like a wish fulfillment and having Edward Cullen lust after Bella and be like so obsessed with Bella? Okay, so I was Team Jacob. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, was there a wish fulfillment and Jacob be- desperately wanting to be your friend, and... uh, more than friend? Please, <laughs> Team.
1: I mean, Jacob, yeah. <sighs> mm-hmm. he was schmokin' oaken man, yeah. <laughs> and I think it was just the dedication factor, mm-hmm. the loyalty factor, the do anything yeah. for you. And that's very common in Christine fan too. It's interesting that that's very much a theme that goes across yeah. even YA and, and adult. So, we'll jump gears here for you folks, the the few folks out there who haven't read Twilight. I'm so, you're so are I'm really so jealous. Lucky.
0: I just want to know what went right in your life. Like, where you are you?
1: It. Let us know where you are. So, if you've never read Twilight before, Twilight is a young adult, YA, we'll call it YA from here on out. Yeah, it's it centers on a family of vampires, the Cullens, who are good, they're vegetarians, they only drink animal blood, and Bella, who is our heroine, beautiful, but she doesn't know it, she's human. <laughs> Who, they don't really talk about, like, faded life mates, but it mm-hmm. almost kind of seems that way. Yeah. Because Edward smells Bella. <laughs> he mm-hmm. smells her. <laughs> smells Bella. <laughs> and I do like this depiction in the start mm-hmm. of the book. Like, he, like, makes the <laughs> face, cause, and she's mm-hmm. like, oh my god, do I smell bad? Yeah. <laughs> I did love and that part. because she smells too good. <laughs> she smells too good. Mm-hmm. She is just so alluring, and she mm-hmm. tempts him so much. And that's pretty much the whole series. Edward is just so tempted.
0: And I think, too, besides the smell, he can't hear her so- her thoughts. Yeah So I think that's a really big deal In terms of maybe it's not exactly a fated mate But it is very much Bella is the special one There is something Very uh, Special
1: She's special Yeah she's special I I could not think of a better adjective (laughs) So I'm not special I'm not special like that. I'm not telepathic at all. I hardly know what I want, let alone other people. <laughs> of course, we get the whole love triangle because it's a young adult where we have the werewolves yeah. who come in.
0: Actually, I feel like that's our natural impulse to be like, Ooh, da, 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 blah, blah. but wasn't that kind of the first big love triangle, YA? That's a very good question. Right? Is that just. I do want to talk about this, and I'm not saying Twilight shouldn't have been vilified, but. It did a... a lot of things. It did a lot of things. I don't necessarily... I don't know what point I'm getting, and I'm sorry for
1: interrupting you, but as You're soon okay. as you said it, I was like, you know, they really weren't, though. That's like, fair Like, it's enough. a weird... I mean, so obviously everybody well not everybody but a lot of people now hate on twilight yeah. midnight sun literally just came out like what a month ago yeah. two months ago um, and i am like i will not read it etc yeah. etc
0: i actually did try to read it before she published it officially because well, she's yeah, been was working like on Wattpad this or something no it wasn't even that she had started this years and years ago this project but it got leaked yeah so she got really bad and just put it on her website what was done so i read like the first six chapters or something of it. And it really did not thrill me. It
1: yeah. wasn't anything. And that's the thing, I think is... It wasn't anything groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking when it came mm-hmm. out. And I think, outside of True Blood, it was the first big, like, universe of creatures interacting with the human world. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, so... I can't really think of vampire stories that interact with werewolves. Underworld, yeah. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. But I will say, Underworld's not
0: as big as Twilight. No, I think Twilight had something about it that made it so interesting to a larger group of people. So it could be mainstream, it and brought, then it had all of the
1: stuff in it that made it that made people hate it. Yeah. Now we hate it. Yeah. Back then, everybody's like, "Oh my god, I love this so much." I don't
0: know. I saw both though, and especially because teen girls loved it. Yeah. So there was a lot of like, "Is this hell? Is this safe?" Is it dangerous? Are these girls stupid?
1: No. We're just reading books. Yeah. I mean, yes. A well-read woman is extremely dangerous because we know a lot of Bella stuff. Bella could have learned how to say no, though. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Edward didn't. So sorry for interrupting your thought, but I think that's something we want to explore a little bit more of.
1: Why people hate came to hate it. Yeah, I think... I think we need to talk about what Twilight did. Yeah. So what did Twilight do? Twilight, as much as we want to hate on it now, it did a lot of stuff in both YA and in mainstream media. Mm-hmm. So in YA, it was really kind of the first giant vampire YA. thing that happened. Paranormal. Huge paranormal Would you series. argue,
0: too, that it's probably one of the first giant mainstream YA things, too? Harry Potter. But that's not really YA. That's middle school. Which is YA. Yeah, YA is more teenagers, though.
1: We could argue this to horrible in the That's face. That's fair.
0: That okay. The middle school YA thing is kind of like a librarian argument.
1: It's a very heated argument. Don't care about. <laughs> All the normal people are like, we don't care. Get to the sparkly <laughs> part. I also think that it introduced the love triangle really yeah. well in an interesting kind of new argument. I can't think of any YA that I read before this in this case. It's tough. I
0: was, I was so young. So you're like two years younger than me. So I guess I would have been in. I probably would have been in high school. So if it's two thousand six, I
1: would have been thirteen. Yeah, 14. I would. Have, I
0: graduated two thousand nine from high school, so I guess I was fifteen,
1: right? Yeah, so you would have been like eighth, ninth grade, or yeah. something like that. I'm trying to do I math. Mean, <laughs> I did
0: read a lot. I just think it, It's so curious looking back because the only reason I ever picked Twilight up was my teen librarian recommended
1: it to me, mm-hmm. and then you hated it.
0: Eventually. It took a minute, though. So, I will it's fully so say I was
1: a Twihard. Okay. I went to the midnight premiere of Breaking Dawn Part 2. Mm-hmm. Like, I was there. Yeah. I imagined myself as Renesmee in Jacob's arms. <laughs> I was all for it, man. I did go that far. I did like it. I owned the books. I definitely
0: remember actually binge reading the Twilight series oh, yeah. uh, when I was getting ready to graduate because I had all this free time in between graduation practice. It wasn't until later that I was rethinking it and I was like, was this actually good? Like, what did I like about this? And (sighs) I think you do get caught up in Bella feeling like you and the love
1: aspect of it and... So here's something I liked Yeah, is that they took it and made it a movie that was just as successful as the book, mm-hmm. um, maybe even more so because okay. it was a movie. And really, the only time I'd ever seen this with books that I liked was Harry Potter. Okay. And the first one was really good and yeah. actually was really true. And I think when they went to the male director, though, it got a little... Oh, yeah, because mm, yeah
0: suck,
1: but... Yeah, they st- should have stuck with the first director. <laughs> um, I mean, so the bo- movie is never as good as the book. We all mm-hmm. know this. But Unless what the Sparks. movie did was it really introduced it to an audience that didn't necessarily want to read the book because they're like, ew, vampire book, why would I want to read that? And then they see the movie and they're like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. And then they go read the book and it kind of, it opens up a discussion of audience, I guess you could say. Let me break
0: in because I just read this really interesting article that talked about how one of the things Twilight was really good at was creating this, I loved this term, this cultural citizenship. Ooh, that's a good one. And they meant it in a way that pretty instantly... Maybe it took a little bit, but pretty instantly, people self divided into people that either loved Twilight mm-hmm. or they hated Twilight. And it wasn't just that your opinions of Twilight could be lukewarm; you were very one or the other in a camp.
1: Yeah. Fair so enough. then,
0: I thought that was just a really interesting take on it, and it it does remind me of what it was like to be like, oh yeah, I'm Team Edward, and yeah. being really excited about that. And then, because I was in both camps, I really liked Twilight, and then I really hated Twilight. Oh yeah. And I got a lot of enjoyment out of being in either
1: camp. Yeah. Of, like, really loving Twilight or really bashing Twilight like we are right now. I mean, you kind of see the same thing with Harry Potter houses. Mm. Like, I'm a Gryffindor. I'm a Slytherin. Oh. I think it's kind of natural that we not sort each other. Maybe we like totally <laughs> do especially in high school and middle yeah. school all those raging hormones are mm-hmm. going around and everybody's trying to find out what clique they're in who their friend mm-hmm. group is where they themselves want to be yeah that's a good point point. and I think that by us being able to polarize ourselves into team Edward team Jacob mm-hmm. Gryffindor Slytherin hate uh, Twilight yeah Love Twilight exactly being able to really like identify ourselves that way gave us something to bond us over yeah bond to us talk over, about and identify ourselves mm-hmm. with like i don't love twilight i'm way smarter than those people i'm gonna go sit with those people in the back of the mm-hmm. room and read to yeah. kill a mockingbird
0: <laughs> <laughs> or oh no i love team jacob because i'm not into people who watch you sleep you know it, like i think you it was definitely an easy way of not only bonding with other people but judging other people oh yeah no matter what camp you were oh, that's in. that's interesting yeah yeah i wonder if that is really one of the massive appeals that we've kind of missed about twilight is it simple enough that we could impart all of these ideas that we already have about each other in a platform that doesn't matter interesting you know we, it's not republican or democrat yeah <laughs> this it's isn't gonna decide the fate of the vampire, world
1: vampire werewolf i mean it will decide the fate of the world it's true vampires fighting vampires it's true and killing last off battle. all the humans <laughs> jane and
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't know where i want to go with that conversation but that's a very good point thank
0: you i try yeah. really hard
1: that's yeah. what we want to do with this podcast bring in more conversations <laughs> like this so Something else that's always interesting to talk about, and that I mean, it's getting up brought brought up more and more mm-hmm. these days, is Stephanie Meyer's Mormon affiliations. Oh yeah, because it's Mormon fan fiction. Yeah, basically. basically. I mean, it's also classic fiction. <laughs> yeah, fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Wuthering Heights and I Pride mean, and Prejudice. Oh, that's
0: true. It's fan fiction of fan fiction, and then fan fiction has been written of it that has also <laughs> <been> turned <laughs> of into original things. So it's kind of just come full circle. Maybe it's a snake eating itself.
1: Oroboros, As it come full circle, yeah. I
0: don't know. That's interesting. interesting. I forgot about that. That, yeah, she is very obsessed with Wuthering Heights and Pride and Prejudice. that yeah, which are amazing books. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. I was not obsessed with it as a high schooler like Bella. That was probably where we did not relate. Yeah. I really liked uh, T-Twitches
1: <laughs> and Harry Potter. Okay. I was Sherilyn Kenyon. <laughs> Sandra Brown, Nora Roberts. Yeah. Oh, I love Sandra Brown. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about her yeah, later. we'll get to her one Eventually. day. Eventually. Mm-hmm. I also think that Twilight... So, Mormon... Oh gosh, where am I going with this? Yeah, where are you going? Yeah, <laughs> I, be careful. Step carefully. I, yeah. So we'll talk about sex in Twilight uh, because they didn't. They didn't basically. <laughs> they so something that I find really interesting now is this conversation of morality mm-hmm. amongst vampires, and especially in Edward. Yeah, you really see it. Um, he is continuously tempted. It's almost like an Eve situation. Mm-hmm. So Bella is Eve, where she just continually keeps tempting. Edward and she, he, she's like, no, I want to be a vampire. I want to sleep with you. I want to kiss mm-hmm. you. I want to all this I wanna sort of stuff. Want to be with you? And he's like, I can't. No, I cannot. I must save you. I must preserve your mm-hmm. humanity. But she's like, continuously wearing him down. Yeah. That's a really interesting conversation there. And then eventually they do have sex once after they get married. After they get married, after and they get married. then she gets pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> and then Renez may Oh God, that was the whole thing. I mean, so it's interesting going back to our Christine Feehan discussion too about mm-hmm. vampires being born, not made. Yeah. Most vampiric literature, you will see they are made, they right. are not born.
0: Mm-hmm. There is, I think there's a few exceptions, like the, how do you pronounce them? The damn fur? Death from year. Russia? Yeah, yeah, where they're the half vampire, half human. Sometimes they do go off and hunt. Sometimes they oh, become crazy and evil. They like Nephilim. Depends. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. It depends on the story and where which region it's coming from. But for the most part, yeah, you get turned by a vampire before you die, or you're an evil person who turns into one when you die.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's very death related. I mean, in Twilight too, the majority of them are made.
1: Yeah. Um, at uh, Carlisle, all of them,
0: right? Because Renes, whatever. Oh, she's
1: like the only. She, yeah, no, there's the only one born. other. Oh. Uh, there's one other like her. Oh yeah, because there's that short story. Yeah, yeah. So There's like a spin-off series, <sighs> story thing, whatever. It is interesting that that Stephanie Meyer introduced that. It mm-hmm. just kind of came out of nowhere. And I think it became a sort of natural thing coming out, maybe of her faith. Mm-hmm. So like you have Marriage sex and kids. You have sex to have babies, yeah. right? To procreate. And so the main characters have sex and they're not going to have sex for pleasure, they're going to have sex to procreate yeah. even if they aren't expecting it. Yeah. But then it also kind of talks about the trials and woes of being a teen mom. Right. Because the baby is literally killing her. Mhm. But then in the ultimate, she has the baby and she begin, becomes a vampire. So all I, think as well. it's,
0: I think it's interesting that her being a mother is kind of what saves her from the oh. usual temptations that come with vampires. Because one of the things oh, Edward was really worried about, if you remember, was that Bella was going to become a vampire and she was going to really struggle with her control and she was going to kill somebody and really regret it and have yeah. to live with that like he's had. But instead, when they let Bella interact with her baby and, you know, they're all hovering and they're all ready to grab the kid. She's like, chill. She's great. Yeah. She never, from what I remember, it never seemed like she dealt with cravings the way Edward is constantly like, I'm a monster. I constantly want to drink you dry. Do the Carpathians deal really strongly with cravings? Yes, they do. And that's actually the point because the only temptation a Carpathian male has when they haven't found their life mate, they've been over 200 years, they've lost all color, they've lost all hope, they have that constant temptation that they know if they kill when they're drinking. They'll feel something. Mm. Uh, The fear, too, will add all these endorphins in their victim's bloodstream. They'll feel something. They'll taste something. It's going to be the only sensation they'll ever have. But doing that dooms them, and they'll never have a life mate. They'll constantly be this evil being that has to be hunted by other Carpathians. It's interesting that, yeah, vampires are always focused around cravings and wanting what you can't have, what you shouldn't have, and hating yourself for it. Like, I... It's rare in vampire fiction you see a healthy vampire. Yeah. Maybe now you see a lot of crazy ones now. A too. lot of crazy I love ones. those stories. The crazy ones. I've seen a lot where maybe they're kinda like normal, I guess, in if it's a bigger universe, but there hasn't really been a struggle or one like Edward. If that makes sense. Or like since Bill. Yeah. Well, especially
1: not since Twilight and yeah. True Blood came mm-hmm. out
0: preparation for doing this podcast i was going through a lot of internet searching and i was kind of looking at things where fans themselves were talking and i was taken back by how many people were really like well twilight ruined vampires Mm. like we're not going to have another vampire because edward cullen and stephanie mayer just made them soft and gross and annoying and sparkly and people aren't scared of vampires anymore it felt very much like People felt like their toy had been taken from them. Yeah. And just like, she ruined vampires. They're never going to be like Dracula again. It's too entrenched in our culture that this is what a vampire is now. It's Edward Cullen. It's not anything scary or
1: horrible. So while I understand where they're coming from, I think it was a natural progression Yeah, that they got there. So we talked in the last episode about Anne Rice Mm -hmm. and how she really introduced... This really sympathetic vampire that you would get and taming the beast sort of situation, mm-hmm. and one who feels bad for what they're doing and questions what they're doing. And that was in the 70s. So we have a sympathetic vampire coming in in the 70s with Lestat mm-hmm. and Louis. And before that, they were, quote unquote, just monsters. Mm-hmm. Sure, fine, whatever. And then Christine Feehan, as we said earlier in this episode, started really linking the two, the sympathy and the romance mm-hmm. and these kind of more moralistic yeah. creatures.
0: With, I think, they're changing morals in our own society. And I
1: think it was only yeah. so long before we saw a vampire in YA. And in YA you mm-hmm. don't want to see monsters as yeah. heroes. You want to see redeemable characters. Yeah. And so that's where you get Edward.
0: I think it's more that we ask why more often today. Because if you think about the original vampires, they were very much vehicles for what the like, older people didn't ex- understand. Yeah, science. And I think today it's more... I think we have a natural interest in asking why and to really delve into people's character and, and yeah, redeeming and, and being... Um... And being more like, you know, why does the vampire feel this way? Is there anything in him? Is It's not just evil.
1: I think today it's much more gray. So I think...
0: I think you're right. It's definitely...
1: I think, too, the way that literature is going today... That we are seeing so much more inclusive literature that we want Mm -hmm. to explore more things that I think it was, like I said, it's a natural trend. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to maybe start seeing vampires come back. I hope. Maybe. We'll see. They're still there.
0: I don't want to be like, they are never come back. I mean, I I just read one. Yeah. I see them, though, in universes with lots of supernatural creatures. Yeah. I see them as this bigger group of beings as opposed to just on their own, dealing with their own humanity, their own...
1: Yeah, you don't really see just vampires. It's, like, mm-hmm. all supernatural Yeah, now. you've
0: got werewolves, shifters, fairies, demons. Like, Chris Lee Cole is really famous for her uh, Immortal series, where it's just about every single race of being. She's got Valkyrie, she's got demons, she's got fairies, she's got lots of really cool things.
1: And I think, too, that we talk about how these universes just keep getting bigger and bigger and mm-hmm. bigger. Where I think the Sookie Stackhouse series, so Charlene Harris, she started that way. Yeah. She introduced right off the bat. She's like, there's fairies, there's vampires, mm-hmm. there's werewolves. there's like all these creatures. and they're everybody and they're all smoking hot yeah, everybody's oh, yeah. banging everybody. Yeah, you're right. that's more important. <laughs> they all live in Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana. As much as we like to complain about how series are getting bigger and they're getting way too complex, yeah. I think it gives more readership And I think it gives somebody something to look forward to So like if I don't necessarily want to read a vampire story I can skip ahead five books Yeah to the the werewolf Because a lot of these two, I mean Sookie Stackhouse not so much Twilight not so much Mm -hmm. But like uh, Feehan Mm -hmm. You can read them totally out of order Yeah
0: it's a little confusing I think that's why there's so much info dumping Yeah But you know you just focus on the couple Instead of the weird plot that's going on around them Of the vampire splinter in her ribs Which was a weird thing Or a real thing she had a split. It was a thing. okay.
1: That's what I mean. She's got a <laughs> I'm very, making a like, very confused face. <laughs> and I'm
0: like, see, that's what I mean. You just skip all those pages. There's a lot of weird action scenes that's literally them inside somebody else's body healing them.
1: So that's something, too. I think that men... We, we talked in the last episode, I think. I don't remember anymore. About how more men are reading. Yeah. yeah I think vampiric romance would be something that men would really get into because there's a lot more fight scenes Mm -hmm. there's a lot there are a lot more fight scenes there's a lot more blood um you have all these different characters and it would almost appeal i think to men
0: that's really interesting because my first thought would be they wouldn't.
1: Really? Okay. I
0: Because of the things we talked about, about how it's written for a female gaze. And, and they're sexualizing.
1: The yeah. predators
0: and sexualizing the men. So they're strong and rich oh. and fabulous. And maybe the, the guys would be emasculated by that maybe. See, but in the
1: Christine Feehan I read, mm-hmm. she doesn't really tame him.
0: That's true. They compromise, I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's really what we need. We need yeah. more compromise. But so I think we're both right in a way. Yeah. So, hey, if you're a guy listening to this, hello, thank you. And
1: <laughs> who are you? <laughs> yeah. Are you single?
0: How much vampire do you read?
1: <laughs> what else do you read? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop now, okay? <laughs> So that's something else, too. A lot of people talk about how inappropriate it is for younger readers to read vampires, because yep. they are very sexual mm-hmm. creatures. And
0: how many think pieces did we see about the dangers of Twilight
1: on yeah. young teenage girls? And, I mean, I mentioned in the last episode, you didn't have any idea of this, how um, vampiric biting is, like, just metaphor yeah, for I penetration. About that. I mean, it
0: makes a lot of sense when you say it out loud.
1: Yeah. I'm like, oh, And, I mean, I if you think when we were teenagers, like, hickeys were a big deal. <laughs> you okay over there? Yeah, I was just
0: too good too
1: funny. (laughs) Chortling too hard (laughs) in the corner. And I I think it is, they are very sexual. They are very, like, we do often see, even if it's not explicitly stated, the idea of a life mate with Mm -hmm. vampires. Like, this vampire has lived for centuries, and Mm -hmm. then he finds you, and he's, like, all into you. Mm -hmm. They're all into you. You're special. You're special. One powerful being is all bless your heart. Into you. I don't think it's, I mean, I'm obviously going to not say I don't think it's dangerous. Or I am obviously going to say I don't think it's dangerous. But I, first off, people who say that, you need to read a book. More often. <laughs> you need to I read would, more books.
0: I think people don't give enough benefit of the doubt to teenage girls or women yeah. in general. I mean, it, this Twilight is not their only
1: influence.
0: I think if it's something...
1: If Twilight is their only influence, then, then you we have more worried. to talk about.
0: Then you can be worried if that's literally all they're obsessed with. But, you know, teenage girls have friends, they have parents, they have family, they have other interests, they have other shows. This is not the sole foundation of their... They aren't
1: living in a microcosm. Exactly,
0: yeah. They've got all these other things interacting and influencing them. I think they'll take out of Twilight what's useful to them... If there is anything negative they take out of that, I hope there's somebody in their lives that can kind of be like, you know, Edward Cullen is not, like... The best. The best example. No. But hold on to how you feel and look for that, maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, find somebody who is either the opposite of Edward or maybe
1: the good things that he does do. So, and here's the thing, too, is uh, that Twilight can totally be a gateway drug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in a bad term. That, too! Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, after, Vamp- or after uh, Twilight came out... Mm-hmm. We saw Vampire Diaries. We yeah. saw the Fallen series, which is all about fallen angels. But it's Twilight. And yeah, it's angels pretty basically. much, especially the movie. It's just, yeah. it's just Twilight. <laughs> but there were all these different series that had some pretty really good characters in them and mm-hmm. some really good arcs that I think you can easily make your way to mm-hmm. from Twilight. Twilight.
0: Yeah. I think people are just paranoid. I think a lot of people don't have much faith in teenage girls, I definitely did not go out and find an Edward Cullen when I liked Twilight. First of all, there is no teenage boy who's like Edward Cullen in the life. (laughs) Definitely not. I think that alone is a safety measure. Yeah. And there's other things in the books. I mean, as much as there was all that awful romance stuff and there was a lot of awful romance stuff, I do think it was a good example of Jacob really being there for his friend.
1: And it was a good talk of consent, too. Yeah. And wanting something mm-hmm. and being okay with wanting something. Yeah. So I think it's good to introduce it. I mean, so we are obviously leaning one very specific way. Yeah. Um, and if you disagree, that's totally fine. It's good to open up those conversations young, yeah. I think. And like at, at, we have both said, we were already reading other things yeah. by the time we read this. So and to like, be
0: fair, I think this is a lot better than
1: some of the stuff we than did Some read. of the stuff
0: that you could have found at oh that my God. age yeah yeah and I know parents, you probably think you you know what your kids are looking at, and watching. you really don't. you have no idea, and it's gotten worse. I knew how to sneak around all that stuff. I think it's better to embrace it as opposed to fighting against it because that's gonna make them want to read it more. yeah, I think that stereotype is very much true. If you're like, no Twilight for you, then they're gonna read <laughs> it even more despite
1: you very much so, <sighs> yeah, I think Twilight did a lot of good things, even though we like to hate on it. it did do a lot of good things and for fiction in general, it did eventually lead to Fifty Shades. Which is a whole other story. It's a whole other discussion. Whole other story, we'll get there. Don't worry. But something. the long story short of that is it opened up the ebook publishing game, which yeah. opened up the Kindle Smut territory, which opened up these amazing conversations we're having and yeah. consent, inclusivity, um, just these amazing stories about racial tension and it's all wrapped up in romance and yeah. I really don't think it could have happened without twilight yeah that's a big statement but i really think (laughs) i think that's the case
0: i'm not ready to go that far but i believe you but i'll like i see your point when when we talk about
1: 50 shades
0: we'll see we'll get into it
1: okay that's way down the line though i'm not ready for that (laughs) well so pretty much that wraps up our conversation of vampires for now for now there's no way to like neatly wrap that in a bow (laughs) 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 there's a lot to talk about that a lot to unpack Mm -hmm. but for now that's what we have Thanks for listening to us blather on. What are we talking about next month, Jen? Oh, we're talking about something really exciting. Oh.
0: Maybe not exciting. I'm excited to talk about it because it's really bugging me now okay. that I've noticed it. Okay. We are going to look at age differences in romance. Ooh. Because it's something that is occurring to me. The older I get, the more I look at the stuff. There is- They're all younger than <laughs> us. they all younger than us.
1: And the men are older than us. Yeah,
0: there's a big thing of heroines being in their early 20s. Teenagers. Basically. Or the, and the men being, like, let's say early 30s. 35, 34. Sometimes even up to 40s. And I think it's a very interesting phenomenon. Because it's not just Kindle Smut. I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing bigger gaps, actually, in Kindle Smut. Especially if we look
1: at classic romance. Very
0: much mainstream.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, you have the opposite side of it, where older women, younger men, is hardly... It's, like, non-existent. It's
0: non-existent. It exists in erotica, or it exists in really creepy fiction where it's his teacher.
1: Yeah. And so, that's very illegal.
0: It's not romantic. No. That's pedophilia,
1: no. people. No. So, we're going to do things a little different next month if you're interested in listening to us. The first one, we're going to be talking about older men um, and fiction and comparing fiction mm-hmm. in that. The second one, we're going to be talking about older women. So, so, definitely stay tuned for that. Thanks, guys. I hope this podcast didn't suck. <laughs> Great way to end it. All right, keep
0: reaching on. Bye, guys.